Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5, and uh, we'll be in verses 21 through 26 today as we continue our series of the Sermon on the Mount. And what we're going to see this morning, really, uh, is that uh, it's the uh, breaking down or dissecting of the different commands of the Old Testament. Last week, we talked a little bit about the fact that the Pharisees uh, had, had this idea that if they could externally, if they could externally live out Everything that was said in the Old Testament law, that they were righteous. And Jesus came, and we saw last week, said, no, true righteousness actually isn't anything about external. Uh, really, uh, it, it will become external, but it has to start internally. Uh, that's where true righteousness lies. And then he goes over six different statements, and the first of which we're going to cover this morning, where he says, you've heard it said, and then he gives one of the commands that they've heard from the Old Testament law. And then he says, but I say to you, uh, and, and gives really the heart of the law. Uh, because there's two ways for us to break the law, and that is, one, to break the letter of the law, uh, which we're going to see the letter of the law this morning is, thou shalt not kill. That's the letter of the law. Uh, and if you kill, you broke the letter of the law, exactly what it says. Uh, but there's also what's called the spirit of the law. And, uh, and what Jesus does in each and every one of these is he really gets down to the spirit of the law and, uh, and how it applies to us internally as well as externally. And so uh, Matthew chapter number 5, starting in verse 21, we're going to read verse 21 to 26 and then uh, we'll unpack this thought for this morning. The Bible says, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that, and real quick, just because I know I'm not going to say this later in my message, uh, that this is so interesting to me that Jesus is establishing his own authority. The Pharisees, they would consistently say, well, uh, Rabbi so-and-so said, and Rabbi so-and-so said, and Rabbi so-and-so said, and then Jesus, he said, forget what they say, I say. Jesus says, I say this, and he's establishing his authority. That's why later in the book of Matthew even, uh, it says people awed at his, uh, at his speech because he spoke as one having authority. Uh, and so just a side note uh, that we're going to see there because I know it's not in my message later. Okay? He says, I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever uh, shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that, thou, that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him. Lest at any time thy adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we do pray this morning that as we looked into your word, God, that you would just use it to speak to us. And Lord, I pray that you would 
Help us to hear truly from you this morning uh, the heart of the matter. Lord, would you help us to evaluate our hearts and uh, Lord, allow you to search us and know us and tell us if there's any wicked way in our heart. Lord, that we might be able to change it uh, and live more righteously uh, with you each and every day, Lord, that you might be honored and glorified with the way that we live. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Have you, um, <clears throat> have you ever known someone that had to go to anger management class? Anyone know anyone that had to go to anger management? Some of you might be like, yeah, I know him, it was me. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Court mandated, maybe. Uh, have you, I, I had a couple of friends uh, that they, they, their parents made them take an anger, man, it wasn't court mandated, but uh, that their parents made them take uh, an anger management class because of just the situation that took place. Uh, but I've seen a, a lot of times that people, they get some kind of court mandated anger management class because of some crazy display of anger, right? That, uh, that resulted in someone being endangered or resulted in someone uh, being hurt or something like that where a judge would then court mandate that someone had anger management classes. And really, when we think of anger in general at all, that's the kind of anger we first think of. Uh, someone who acts out in anger, someone who's like yelling at people constantly, someone who's verbally abusive. Some, uh, we, we think of anger that dispa- displays itself obviously and outwardly is what we first think of when we think of anger. But there are actually two different ways that people deal with anger. And some people, uh, the one that we think of is people that rage out. Like uh, the, the instant something sets them off, whether they have a short fuse or whether it's been coming for a while and then something sets it off, we think of anger as someone who rages out and does something uh, very uh, outwardly. But the second kind of way that people deal with anger is actually to rage in, to rage inwardly and to have some kind of anger on the inside. Uh, and what we see uh, uh, really in this passage of what Jesus is trying to do is, is he's talking to the Pharisees, which we said last week, the Pharisees and even we sometimes gauge ourselves uh, spiritually by how we're doing on the outside. And yet Jesus goes straight to the heart of the matter and said true righteousness is not primarily an external thing, it's an internal thing. But if you're righteous on the inside, it will then become an external thing and you'll see it outwardly as well. But then Jesus, he begins to dissect some of these Old Testament laws that the Pharisees would have followed and taught the people to follow, um, and, and specifically today, that they shouldn't murder. And rightly so. They should have followed that, right? And they should have taught people to follow that. Murder is an egregious sin. But Jesus gets down to the heart of the matter, and in our passage, he brings up this command, thou shalt not kill. Don't murder. And then he says, but I say to you, those who are angry will be in danger of judgment. Those who say Raka will be in danger of the council or of the, the Sanhedrin. And those who say you fool will be in danger of the fires of hell. And at a cursory reading, when I first read that, it almost seems like this uh, exaggerated inversion, like uh, where the, the offenses seem to get smaller, but the consequences are getting bigger. Uh, where you're angry at someone and you might get judged for it, but all the way down to like you just say you fool and, <laughs> and you're in danger of hellfire. Uh, it, it just seems that, that there's this uh, hyperbolic or exaggerated inversion here. But really what Jesus is saying when he does this is this. What you see as serious and what God sees as serious are vastly different. 
Because you are looking, he's talking, remember the Pharisees are listening in on this too. You're looking on the external and God is looking at the heart. You think you're doing good just because you haven't killed someone is what he's saying. You think you're doing good because you just haven't killed anyone, but God says that you're unrighteous because you constantly allow yourself to be angry with and speak out in anger against people. Now, I don't know about you, but just even hearing that, I'm already convicted. <laughs> I mean, in my study, I'm like, whoa, what? Uh, just being angry at someone and saying something in anger is sinful? Uh, I, at least I didn't kill them. I almost like uh, default to the, what the Pharisees were. At least I'm not killing them, right? Uh, but, but really, when you look at this, what I, what I hope we're going to see as we uncover the truths of the sermon, uh, especially for the next few weeks, not just this morning, is that uh, if we don't walk away convicted of our sin, one of two things is going on. When we, when we hear the words of Jesus and how high the standard truly is of righteousness to try to live righteously, uh, I, it, it should convict us. And if it doesn't, either we're not listening or we're self-righteous. That's really what it comes down to. If we hear these things, especially uh, the next few weeks, as he says, you've heard it been said this, but I say to you this and we don't walk away convicted, then we either aren't listening to the words of Jesus or we are, uh, we are living in self-righteousness thinking, actually, no, I, I think I'm okay with, uh, I, I'm, I'm okay in this area. And what we need to see as we come to these is that we cannot fully measure up to God's uh, standard. We can't. But that's okay because as we said last week, Jesus is the one that helps us get right and live right. So ultimately, these thoughts that we go over should constantly drive us into the arms of Jesus for help to live out this way. So anger, Jesus takes thou shalt not kill and goes straight to the heart of the matter, anger. Okay, well, why is anger so harmful? Why does Jesus seem to say that at the heart of the matter, anger is what is harmful? Well, that's what we're going to dive into today. So I want us to, first of all, point number one is just going to uh, see this, that anger is dangerous. Anger is dangerous. Why is anger harmful? First of all, because anger is very dangerous. We must guard against anger, resentment, wrath, rage, and bitterness because they are at the heart of the matter of murder. They are at the heart of the matter of murder. Jesus explains the heart of the matter very well here, and he says, first of all, anger contains the seeds of murder. When he unpacks this, he gives us the idea that anger contains the seeds of murder. Now, we need to be clear that Jesus is not saying that being angry with someone or that saying, uh, he, he's not saying that anger is as bad as murder, okay? We, we need to be clear that he's not saying they're one and the same in how uh, egregious they are of, of doing something to someone. It would be morally confusing to say uh, or to think that someone who shouts at another person in anger has sinned as badly as someone who murders another in anger. But Jesus, what he's doing is he's emphasizing that the law actually condemns both. Though one is definitely uh, more harsh in the matter of anger, uh, they are both condemned by the law. Well, and, and he can say that without saying that they are the same thing, okay? Uh, so they, they are both condemned, but he's not saying they're the exact same thing. The, the laws of the people, though, could only deal with outward actions, the laws of the people could only deal with the outward actions of people. But Jesus declared that his followers understood God's morality addressed not only the end of the matter, but the beginning of the matter. The end of the matter would be murder. 
But Jesus is going all the way to the very beginning of the matter, which would be anger. And that's why I say that anger contains the seeds of murder. Remember, the scribes and Pharisees saw the law as only a matter of external performance, never the heart. And Jesus is bringing the law back to the matter of the heart. And, and you might even say, but how could anger even be likened to something like murder? How could that even be likened to the same? Well, the truth is, we actually equate the, the two uh, very quickly in our own minds. Have you ever heard this saying, man, if looks could kill? We very quickly even uh, make, make the two, uh, we, we bring the two together even in our own mind because we see uh, even, even that, uh, that, that anger can lead to a, a point of murder. And th this is why anger is dangerous because it can lead to so much more. Bitterness and resentment and wrath and abuse and even murder. William Barclay, he was speaking about this word anger or angry that Jesus says, and he says this, so Jesus forbids forever the anger which broods, the anger which chooses never to forget, the anger which chooses never to be pacified, and the anger which, which seeks revenge. Jesus forbids it. And when we allow uh, anger to stir in our hearts for someone, we are actually throwing fertilizer on the very seeds of murder. And so we, th this is the danger of anger, that when we allow it to fester in our hearts or we allow uh, ourselves to act upon it very quickly, we're actually throwing fertilizers on the very seeds of murder in our hearts. But then Jesus not only says that anger contains the seeds of murder, but Jesus says that angry words contain the spirit of murder. Uh, that word raka, when he says, if someone says raka, uh, very, very, uh, if you were to kind of directly translate it, it would mean like empty head. <laughs> That's a, quite the uh, statement to call someone. Empty head, like you just say that to him. We would, it would be like what we say, numbskull, idiot, blockhead, things like that. It would be the same general uh, idea in words. But it's really hard to convey the translation of the word raka because the word describes more of a tone of voice than anything else. The whole accent of the word raka is one of contempt. It's the word of someone who would despise another with an arrogant contempt. It's almost like when someone comes to you and they say, hey, did you hear that so-and-so did this? Or did you hear that so-and-so said this? And, and your response is, oh, did they? Like that, that kind of mindset or, or that kind of tone is the idea behind raka. Uh, and Jesus asserts that careless language and abusive language implies the very desire to murder. It contains the very spirit of murder within them. He goes on to say, if you say, you fool, uh, the words there, you fool, it, it show contempt not only for someone's intellect uh, or, or intelligence, but for their very character. Uh, you, you may not have actually committed murder, but with your very words, Jesus is saying, you have assassinated their intelligence. You have assassinated their character by your very words. Uh, you, you may not have actually committed uh, murder, but you have, uh, you have festered the seeds and the spirit of murder within your heart by doing that. Uh, and, and like I said earlier, you hear stuff like that, that's convicting. <laughs> if you're like me, uh, how many of us have been angry, maybe even just evaluate yourself this week, how many of you have been angry at what a politician said or did this week, and in your anger, you allowed your anger to speak and say something like, he's an idiot. <laughs> My hand's up, okay. <laughs> uh, that, uh, like me, you probably did it this very week. 
And, and I know you because I know me, and we will justify ourselves in that. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll come up with all kinds of reasons for why it's okay to do these things, just like, just like the Pharisees did. Well, well, no, it's okay, Pastor, because I'm angry at the sin that they're allowing in our country. I, I'm angry at the sinful condition of our state or of our country. Uh, that, that's what I'm angry at. Okay, but that's not what you said. <laughs> Remember, Jesus said, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if, if that's truly what you said, then say that. If that's truly what you feel, then say that. Man, I'm so hurt and, and brokenhearted over the fact that we're allowing people to kill their own children in the womb. I'm, I'm so brokenhearted that, people, that we're allowing people uh, and, allowing, and that Satan has uh, confused the, the younger generation with, uh, with their identity and, and, uh, and all of the, uh, their sexuality and all of those. I'm brokenhearted over that. But instead, we hear someone say something about those things, and instead of saying, I'm brokenhearted over what is actually happening, we, in our anger, direct it toward a person and say, he's moron. In fact, the word that says, you fool, it comes, it, our word moron comes from that Greek word, moros. <laughs> uh, and, and we just speak out in anger. Now, I'm not talking about the words themselves specifically, okay? Uh, we're talking about the intent behind the words. Because me... I, me and my wife say you're stupid all the time in a sarcastic and actually endearing way, okay? Uh, like, like, if I can't find my keys, okay, and we're searching for like 10 minutes, and I can't find my keys, and then they're literally in my pocket, okay? And Rebecca goes, you're stupid. Okay, I see that as endearing and sarcastic, not as like, I'm so angry at you and you're stupid, okay? So again, we're not talking specifically about the words themselves that come out of our mouths, though we should be careful with the words that come out of our mouth, but uh, the intent behind the word. What is the spirit in which these things are being said? If in anger, you're in the wrong. And yet we, like the Pharisees, think that we're doing all right because we haven't murdered anyone, and meanwhile, in our hearts and in our words, we assassinate people's intellect and character all the time. And what Jesus tells us is that you don't have to physically rise up and murder someone to be an assassin. And this is why anger is dangerous. When we allow it to infiltrate our hearts and words, we are allowing the very seeds and spirit of murder to take root in our hearts. But I want us to see also that anger is harmful because it is destructive, not only is it dangerous, does it contain the very seeds and spirit of murder within our hearts and we allow that to grow, but it's actually very destructive. Uh, the reasons that anger is dangerous is not only because of the fact that it contains the seeds of murder and the spirit of murder, it, it is ultimately destructive to our lives, to our relationship with God, and our relationship with other people. When we allow ourselves to stew in anger, even inwardly, when we allow ourselves to speak in anger, it is sinful. And it causes a few things to happen in our lives. The first of which is that we begin to forget that all humans are image bearers. When we allow anger into our hearts, we start to forget that uh, all humans are image bearers. Listen, human beings have built in dignity and value because they are made in the very image of God. Way at the, at the beginning, God said, let us make man in our limit, in our image, after our likeness. We are made in the very image of God. And, and God is very clear in scripture and has a very high view about how image bearers are to be treated with love. And when we allow our anger to speak and those fleeting and nonchalant statements to come out of our mouths, we are devaluing someone who is made in God's very image. 
None of our subtle and little thoughts or words are benign. We must be careful to remember that every single human is made in the image of God and as such should be treated well. In the book of James, Jesus' brother, he said it this way. He says, therewith, talking about our tongue, our words, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My my brethren, these things ought not so to be. (laughs) He, He says, Uh, We'll we'll praise God on Sunday, and then the next day we're speaking out words of cursing to other people out of, and and what does he ultimately end up saying? This ought not so to be in the life of a Christian. So we often forget that humans are image bearers, and when we do that, it's very easy for us to then just speak about them nonchalantly and say something that actually devalues them as a very image bearer of God. But it's also destructive because we overlook our own self-righteousness when we allow anger into our lives. We have this propensity to spotlight everyone else's failures and to downplay our own, don't we? Uh, Like when I struggle, I had a bad day, right? And, And I should be shown forgiveness. But when someone else struggles, you fool. How could you do that? It's so easy for us to think that way. And when we do this, we become self righteous and we actually fuel our own rage because we start to see everyone else as people who have a bunch of character flaws and how we don't have as many character flaws as them. And in turn, we overlook our own faults and we even overlook the fact that we are being self-righteous. If you find yourself talking down about or quickly assessing someone's intellect or character by one mistake that they make, if you, if you start to catch yourself when someone makes a mistake just very quickly assessing their character or their intellect based off of that and talking down about them because of that, then you need to be aware that there is probably self-righteousness in your heart that needs to be dealt with. That we should be extending grace to other people knowing we need that same grace when we struggle. And yet when we allow anger to uh, infiltrate our hearts and speak out of our mouths, we start to overlook our own self-righteousness but also when we allow anger into our lives we actually take the judge's seat away from God in our lives we wrongly put ourselves in the judge's seat when we allow anger to take root in our hearts when someone murders they are take they are ultimately taking the judge's seat to say whether this person deserves to live or not when someone kills another person, they are putting themselves and judging, in the judge's seat and judging for themselves whether someone should still be living or not. And when we say angry things about others, we put ourselves in the judge's seat of who is right, who is wrong, and who matters and who doesn't. And ultimately, that judge's seat belongs to God, not us. But then also, when we allow anger into our lives, we, uh, we end up devaluing our relationships and our community. The Pharisees, they thought that they were doing good because they hadn't murdered anyone. But Jesus says the actual heart behind the law is building community and preventing relational breakdown. When we hear the command, uh, a a command in scripture, we hear things like, don't murder, (laughs) thou shalt not kill. We hear that. But behind each and every do not is often so many do's. 
behind these commands that Jesus is giving here of not allowing anger into our heart and, and, and speaking out in anger and do not murdering, behind it are so many do's of scripture. Like do uh, reflect God's perfect triune loving relationship that he has had for all eternity. Do love each other with a love that is so surprising it affects everyone. Do bear one another's burdens. Do bear with one another no matter the circumstance or someone's shortcomings. And do be aware of your own self-righteousness so much that even your little insults are recognized and repented of quickly. See, behind it are so many things that are positive in our life if we would just focus on truly the heart of the matter. But really, that last thing that I said of recognizing and repenting these things quickly is the key to combating anger in our hearts. Recognizing and repenting of it quickly it, it will help us to combat anger. Because anger, yes, it is dangerous, and yes, anger is destructive, but ultimately, anger needs to be dealt with. Anger should be dealt with. And let's, I, I want us to see really the principles that Jesus gives, the principles that Jesus gives when he... Uh, talks about combating against anger coming into our hearts and lives. In verse 23 and 24, he says this, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. What Jesus is saying here is we should always be reconciling with other people. We should always be reconciling. I mean, how serious is this of a matter when God literally said, stop worshiping me if there's something in your heart. If there's an offense between you and a brother, if that's taken place, there's something that needs to be dealt with, stop the worship of me. That's what he says. How serious can, uh, can this matter be if, Je if Jesus himself is saying, stop, stop giving your gifts, stop lifting your hands, stop it. And go and get it right with your brother. It must be a pretty serious matter for him to say this. The idea is that we should always be aware of offenses that come and constantly be working to reconcile those offenses with others. I, uh, in my own life, I think my, my, some of my friends and probably my wife too, uh, I haven't asked her, but I know some of my friends uh, constantly get tired of hearing me ask, hey, are we good? <laughs> I, I say it all the time. I'm like, hey, are we good? Uh, and, and the idea behind that is I just genuinely want to know if there's anything between us, let's get this right. I, I want to be on the same page in this uh, friendship, in this relationship, in my marriage. Are we on the same page? Are we, hey, are we good? That, that's the idea is that we are consistently uh, loving and respecting everyone, every image bearer, not just those who are in the church, although even more so those who are fellow Christians, we should be uh, focusing on this. But the idea is that we love and, and respect every image bearer so much that we work at all times to be at peace with all men. And that's the idea that Jesus even goes into in verse 25 and 26. He says, always be reconciling and pursue peace quickly. He, he says, uh, agree with thine adversary quickly whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge and the judge deliver thee to the officer uh, and 
thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. He's talking about an instance where someone has offended another person that they could take them to the council, to the Sanhedrin, to the judge for, okay? And he's saying, hey, even if you're on your way to court, Try to get it right with the person because if he gets before the judge and says something, you're going to be thrown into prison by the officer and you're not going to be done paying for that until every penny is out of your pocket. That's what he says. He said, the, the idea is this. As quickly as possible, go and, and find peace. Go and find peace. Pursue peace with each and every person. Uh, I have to teach my children this. Uh, like when they're fighting, when, when uh, especially Felicity and Ellery, when they're fighting, and uh, they, they seem to just be so angry at each other. Sometimes I have to stop them and like look at one of them in the face and go, are you actually mad at her? Do you hate her? And the, the answer is normally no. Then I say, then why are you treating her like that? If you don't actually hate her, why are you treating her like this? And I, I feel like Jesus in this passage is like taking us by the face and, and, and saying, are they an image bearer of God? Are, are, are they a, a brother or sister in Christ? Then why are you talking about them that way? Why are you allowing your annoyances or, or an offense of what they did or are doing to control your thoughts, intentions, and your words and actions toward and about that person? Why are you allowing uh, murder to take place even in your very heart? You need to live at peace. Understand your own sinful heart and how prone it is to allow anger to act out or to speak out and then work to get it right. Now, we hear all that and we're like, okay, but like, what do I do? <laughs> how, how do I do all of this? And so I want to make this very practical for us. And, and I want these next few weeks especially not to just be a brow beating that we all walk away feeling like we're hopeless sinners. <laughs> although we are, okay, uh, but, uh, and, and I, I don't want these next few weeks to just be a browbeating where we're like, well, I can never live a godly life, because Jesus obviously teaches in scripture that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can live a godly life, okay, so here are some practical thoughts to help us this week as we deal with our angry and careless thoughts and words, okay, you might want to write some of these down, and especially some of the scriptures that I'll mention, uh, because I won't uh, have this, the verses on the screen or anything, and you might want to reference them for later. But the first thing we need to understand is that anger is an alarm. Anger is an alarm. It's like a warning light on your dashboard, okay? Uh, the Bible, it doesn't talk about anger uh, as if it's always sinful, okay? In, in fact, you look uh, in uh, the book of Psalms, there's a, a verse that says that God is angry with the wicked every day. Uh, there, Jesus had righteous indignation, righteous anger when he turned over the money, uh, chain, uh, the money changers in the temple. Uh, in, in Ephesians, it says, be ye angry and sin not. The idea, is, uh, the idea of scripture is this, offenses, anger, it's going to come. The, the word angry or anger a lot of, through, throughout the whole New Testament could also just mean to be provoked. The idea is anger is a reality of life. You're going to be provoked to anger very quickly by things people say or do, okay? That's not where it comes into sin. It's a warning light when anger enters into our, our minds or hearts. It's a warning light, and we need to understand what's setting off the alarm. What's setting off the alarm? And that's, that's the first step. We need to understand anger is an alarm. It's not, some, it's not uh, something that we're supposed to fester in and say, oh, well, there's, there's um, righteous anger, so I'm okay. No, no, no. Anger is an alarm. Why? Why is there anger? 
in your life. And we first need to understand what is setting off the alarm and figure out what it is. But then secondly, when anger comes, we need to not let anger act. Don't let anger act. Uh, Stop, pause, breathe, and then speak. Uh, Allow yourself to be sober before you say something. You're like, wait, you, you just said sober. It doesn't have to do with like alcohol and drugs. No, no, no. Even anger can control your actions and your words. Allow the anger to subside. Stop, pause, think. In James uh, chapter one, he says this, let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Make sure that you're slow to get angry. You don't have a short fuse and you just act very quickly or speak very quickly. You need to not let anger act. Let it kind of uh, subside before you act or speak. And then when anger comes, we need to understand or we need to ask ourselves this. Can I just put it away? Is this anger that can just be put away? Okay, many times something that someone says or does to us, uh, we can just... Put it away and cover it in love. In, in, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8, uh, he says that love, it covers a multitude of sins. Sometimes the offense is just something that I, I'm being really extra offended today and what they did wasn't actually that bad of a thing that like I, it's gonna fester and we need to get it, uh, get it right between us. Like it's something that I can just put away and cover in love. Okay, so first of all, first of all, ask yourself, can I just cover this in love? Can I just put it away? If not, the second step is this, then go to that person and reconcile quickly and pursue peace very quickly. Uh, If you can't just put it away and cover it in love, go very quickly and reconcile with that person. And when you do so, seek to understand, not to be understood, okay? Uh, In Proverbs chapter number 14 and verse 29, it tells us that when our heart is overflowing with understanding, then we'll be slow to get angry. But if we have a quick temper and we act very quickly in our anger, then our sin, our folly, our foolishness will be seen by all. We need to be slow to anger and one of the best ways to do that is to seek to understand when we are reconciled, not just to be understood. And then ultimately when anger comes into our hearts, into our lives. Ultimately, our default needs to be forgiveness. Our default always needs to be forgiveness. In Ephesians chapter number four, verse 31, it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger, all of that be put away from you with all malice. He says, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why? Even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. You've been forgiven. God's default mode when you go to reconcile is to forgive. How about you make yourself like Christ and your default mode be to forgive when offenses come and when you are angered. Default to forgiveness. Ultimately resort to forgiveness. So there's some practical tips, but I want to lastly do this. I want to again, like we did last week, point us to Jesus. Because this entire portion of the Sermon on the Mount is so convicting. Like you, you look at even what we went over today and we say, well, I've never murdered anyone. Yeah, but have you ever called them an idiot because they made you mad? <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> the, the seeds in the spirit of murder are actually behind those attitude and those words. And if you're like that, you hear all of this and you go, well, then it's impossible. 
to live up to Jesus' standard? Exactly. It's impossible in your own flesh and in your own just self-will to live out these standards of God. You cannot be righteous on your own. And, and, and truly, like we said last week, that righteousness has to start with salvation. If someone's here today, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you hear all this, you're like, well, I could never be like that. You're right, you never could because the righteousness of God isn't actually inside you yet. And if you have yet to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, today needs to be the day that you come to recognize him as your Lord and Savior and accept his free gift of salvation so that his righteous life, that his sinless life that he ultimately lived so that he could pay the penalty on the cross for you and for me, that you could have that righteousness afforded to your account. First and foremost, that has to take place in your life. But those of us who do know Christ, this kind of righteous living, heart level righteous living where anger is dealt with quickly and doesn't fester and doesn't just quickly speak out uh, and, and devalue very image bearers of God. This kind of righteous living can only come as a result of a close and a personal relationship with Jesus every single day with a willingness and a, sur and a surrender to the spirit that follows his leading each and every moment throughout the day. That's the only way that even us as Christians can live this way and live uh, out this kind of righteousness is to truly have a close and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because as we said last week, not only is he the one that helps us get right, salvation, he's the one who helps us live right each and every day. We need a close personal relationship with him to do so. So how you doing in this area of your life? Uh, are you an angry person? Based upon what we just talked about, I think most of us will go, might be a little bit of an angry person. Uh, do you constantly rage out or maybe even do you rage inwardly? Jesus is looking to grow in us such a love and respect for other image bearers that we actually get to a point where we don't constantly and nonchalantly insult and dismiss each other with our thoughts and our words. But as we said last week, and I said a moment ago, we cannot truly live righteous apart from Jesus. Jesus is the one that helps me get right and to live this kind of right. So if you're here today and you're not saved, come to Jesus for this righteousness. If you do know Christ this morning, rely on Jesus for this righteousness. Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at wenatchechurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media, and tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.